Welcome to the Review the Name podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. This week on the show, it's another edition of our Happy Hour podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about the Golden Globes and just discussing sort of all the awards there and how they made us feel. Um, and, you know, sort of doing a more loose and discursive conversation as we want to do in our Happy Hour podcasts. With me on this happiest of hours, we have Sam. Hello. And for the first time on the Review Name podcast, we have one of our contributors from the site, Ashley. Hello. So the three of us are going to get down to it and talk about the Golden Globes. Why don't we start with the very basic. Sam, what did you think about the Golden Globes? Aren't you going to ask, how did they make me feel? Sure. Like you're my therapist. How did they, how did make, they make me feel, Sam? They made me feel disappointed, I think. Because uh, the only, like, the real good thing that they had going for them was that they had super funny hosts. They had Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and... They weren't used at all. And I, I mean, I remember feeling like in years past, Ricky Gervais, he would do his opening bit and then he'd kind of go away. But I feel like Amy and Tina were used even less. Yeah. There, Did you feel that? It was definitely shorter than I remember Ricky Gervais being, whether that's objectively true or not. Um, it felt slighter. And then they kind of disappeared for the rest of the show. I liked their their gimmick of dressing up as the absent uh, actors who were nominated for awards. That was funny. But mostly... I loved everything they did, and they didn't do almost anything. Um, Ashley, thoughts on the hosts? Yeah, I agree. I think that Ricky Gervais introduced more presenters too, because that was well, that was his stick. That was it? where the bulk of the the humor was, and I think there was definitely an opportunity for Amy and Tina to do something similar. And the thing is, it's like even their uh, dressing up as fake nominees or whatever. That was them, like, they were only able to shoehorn themselves into when they're reading off the nominees. They were barely in the show. Yeah. Yeah, overall, it was a disappointment. Um, And it was a bad broadcast. They had so many problems. Yeah, it wasn't great. The the most disappointing was, was it best drama? Like, best television drama? I think, what was it, Paul Rudd and uh, Salma Hayek? They couldn't... They ran into. I think they had teleprompter issues, right? Yeah, they had teleprompter. But how do you how do you mess that up? I don't know. You have technical difficulties on a live TV show. It it's the Golden Globes. This shouldn't ever happen. Well, the Golden Globes aren't going to win an Emmy this year. I'll tell you that right now. Actually, who knows? They might. <laughs> it's the Golden Globes. This should never happen. Like the Golden Globes are just like the gold standard for television presentation. They're not like it's something sacred. Yeah, they're not. Who the, cares? Yeah, they're not the gold standard, but they're also a professional they're like a professional and recognized award show i understand but like shit like they're not that. the nickelodeon choice awards doesn't have that happen okay but and sh- this is more of a yeah. legitimate thing than that you know I, I bet i bet it has happened to the kids choice Awards. i have and- watched every kid choice <laughs> award for the last 15 years uh, now the this shit happens at the Super Bowl. It happens at it doesn't happen at the, doesn't happen at the Super Bowl no but there have been technical problems there have been like major defects in like sound during the Super Bowl halftime show. There have been entire pieces of the stage that didn't move. Remember the Olympics opening ceremony? A bunch of shit broke. Yeah, you know why that happened? Because it was run by Canadians. <laughs> That's not true. If you had American craftsmanship on that floating, rising, uh, what was it called? The lighting the torch, mm-hmm. lighting the eternal flame. If I recall, that was, was some shoddy craftsmanship. There was stuff Poor like, Wayne Gretzky was standing there with his dick in his hand, waiting for the thing to go up. 
not his dick, but you know, the, one of the <laughs> one of the platforms that it's was supposed just to so run. Cold. We're such it a high class cold. podcast here. This is the happy oh, hour please, podcast, Jordan. Jordan. Don't act like you're above it. Oh no, I I am a perhaps. Well, I'm not, I'm definitely not the worst. I think I think Sam gets the worst, but I'm I'm as in it as everyone. Worst. I get the worst. Are you? You were you were the one who coined on this uh, podcast. It's an abortion, Charlie Brown. So. I'm just saying, you know, if they decided to do like a la Rugrats, all grown up. You think it would be darker? Who do you think would impregnate a girl accidentally? Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown absolutely would. If they, I mean, if they were being realistic, Charlie Brown as a teenager definitely knocks somebody up because that's just the luck he has. It's probably the first girl he ever had sex with. I was gonna say it's gonna be, it's gonna be, he's gonna wait his entire life, and then the first time he has sex, he will never have sex with her. Because that's the life Charlie Brown leads. I mean, Charlie Brown, some of the later episodes got dark. Like, the one that I always go back to is Why Charlie Brown Why? <laughs> which is about pediatric leukemia, for fuck's sake. I think that's how upsetting that was. We initially got to the abortion talk. Yeah, we <sighs> Charlie Brown got dark. <laughs> I Charlie wish Brown was always dark. Ugh, Charlie Brown. <laughs> I mean, for a kid's show, he... He was always sad, and he never succeeded. Well, that, that's why Jordan has the Charlie Brown t-shirt, because oh, he's sad. But he does succeed, which is different. Sometimes I succeed. You hey. succeed frequently, Jordan. Though I usually, I always pull the football out before he kicks it. Yeah, you kind of... Every time. It's your little brother tendencies. It's it's weird that Sam and I play football together by ourselves, but we... You know, don't... We, just, we just play kick the ball. Because <laughs> it's, not, it's not really football, it's just kick the ball. Yeah, we lead a sad existence if we're just we're just sitting in a field playing kick the ball with each other and you pull the ball out every time and then you convince me again. Here's something else I don't understand. Charlie Brown, he also plays baseball a lot and he's the pitcher and he always gets destroyed. He gets creamed. I think when they hit the ball, his clothing literally flies off of his body, right? Yeah, because they, they always hit it like right over the mound and then like right, right at him and everything and he spins. You know, I think that's the fault of his friends. Why do they always have him in his pitcher? Could no one else do better than Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown's the captain, so he picks it. He's the pitcher. How did Charlie Brown become the captain? He is clearly the worst player on the team. Well, maybe that's why they made him captain, because they felt bad about how awful he was. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Look, the world is cruel. Back to the Golden Globes. I think that's the lesson of Charlie Brown, though, that the world yeah, is cruel. I think it is. Yeah, I, I agree. That the world is cruel, but you got to laugh through it. And see, actually, this is the happy hour podcast. We can talk about Charlie Brown for five minutes and then go back to the Golden Globes. How Freedom is just is so liberating. I know. Whereas usually we're so tightly constricted. Normally I'd be like sitting silently through some like comic spiel or you'd be, you know, going over Doctor Who and I'd just snore. We have never gone over Doctor Who on the show, to my chagrin. Yeah, that we'll talk too. about how we will eventually go over Doctor Who on the show. I think after we release our top ten lists. Yeah, readers, uh, readers of the website, by the time this podcast comes out, should know there's a Doctor Who t- top 10 episodes of the new series list on reviewname.com. So go check that out if you're interested. Oh my God. And I barely breathe. I'm so excited. You joke, but making that list last night was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, it was a real pain in my ass. Thanks, Jordan. I didn't even know you were around while it was happening, but Sam, uh, we're having a, a lot of. No, I, was, I was around, not getting laid. Thanks. <laughs> Sam sitting in the corner, furiously messaging you, going, like, Oh, this is so difficult. Doctor Who, which episode is better than episode blah, blah, blah. Oh, shut up. You'll be as invested if we ever do a top 10 Buffy or other shows that you watch. Exactly. Yeah, I suppose. 
could be like, oh, no, I like this episode more. It has Spike in it. Anything with Spike uh, in it is supreme. This, this is very quickly becoming the uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf of podcasts, where I sit here quietly while you guys air all your grievances. We Which, really by the way, would be a pretty good podcast. We don't really have grievances. Ashley just likes to give me uh, give me the business when it comes to Doctor Who. Yeah, we don't really... Despite the fact that she uh, likes most other related nerd things, you don't, you're not behind Doctor Who, right, Ash? I just, you know... No, look, I understand. I completely see the appeal of Doctor Who. I just... It's not character-driven enough for me to be really compelled by it, frankly. See, I think it becomes character-driven. I agree, but I understand why Ashley would have trouble getting into the early seasons, because I had trouble getting into the early seasons. Yeah, and I just, I didn't have the motivation to stick with it. I have a lot of other TV that I feel like I need to catch up on, namely The Sopranos, which we're going through right now. We weren't it's watching The Sopranos when we were watching... Uh... I know, we were, we were going through old Buffy episodes, and I wanted to prioritize those because they were better. <laughs> Sorry, real talk. Real talk. Um, well, <laughs> fair enough. Someday on this podcast, <laughs> Sam is stunned into silence. He has no response. Here's the thing. Here's you what. Should, you should here's what I can tell you. You cannot say that with any amount of certainty if you have not watched them. That's a fact. I watched. That's a fact, Jack. You watched. You watched. You watched. I think eleven episodes of Doctor Who. If I watched eleven episodes of Buffy and called it quits, Buffy would be shit because yeah. that would be me judging Buffy by one season worth, less than one season's worth of content. So what you're doing is unfair critically. <sighs> Check and mate. <laughs> so how about those Golden Globes? I think I'm right there. That's You're really basing Doctor Who on 12 episodes? And also, it's like Buffy, the weakest 12, you know, the weakest season, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I, I just don't find it compelling. I just, I don't care. I understand that he, you know, he's a Time Lord and he's a companion and all of that. That's fine. It's just, it's not my bag. <laughs> That's you fine. Know, like, apparently, like, there's really no sex in it. Just, like, feelings. That doesn't really. Ashley needs lots of sex in all of her shows. She needs houses do, to be knocked down during uh during passionate uh. Her shows need lots and lots of of uh statutory rape no, in them that's condoned within the context of the show. I'm just saying Doctor Who is a little like Englishy and like it's very tame and well, it's for children. And, I don't know. <laughs> Look, I, I'm just not interested. I'm not interested. That's why I think Ashley will love Oz, Jordan. Oz is full. Of prison rape, real crucifixions. That's already more my speed than Doctor Who. Doctor Who is like Sunday evening family television, and I just—it is know. family television. Yeah, I it is know. a family show. Yeah, it just—it doesn't—it just doesn't do it for me. That's not to say I don't think less of it. I don't, you know, I, I give you a hard time about it, but I don't really mean it. I don't think less of you because you enjoy Doctor Who. I know a lot of very bright, very well-informed, well-cultured people who enjoy Doctor Who. And that's totally cool. It's just, you know, I'm not really into sci-fi shows either. You know, like, for a long time I've thought about watching Battlestar Galactica, but at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm not really a sci-fi person. You didn't, yeah. you haven't, I assume you haven't watched any, like, Star Trek? No, not really. I mean, my dad is kind of a Trekkie, so I've watched a lot of, like, The Next Generation, but, it, yeah, it's just, it doesn't compel me. Well, I, I mean, I completely get that. And by the way, I am in the minority among uh, nerds of not liking Battlestar Galactica. So, How, have you seen all of it? Yeah. And you didn't like it? No, it doesn't do much for me. Interesting. I haven't watched it at all. It's too. Um, this is not a spoiler, so don't worry. 
it's too overtly religious to me in that like all of its subtext is pretty oh, much text spoiled. and all of its text is pretty much there's a god and, and the blonde chick is the god right that's um, what i get from Battlestar galactic fandom that's all i know i mean see you yes have such no. a distaste <laughs> for nerd culture it is palpable it is palpable <laughs> No, Which is funny because I know Ashley very well, and I know that she's a giant nerd as well about the right things, you know. It's just not – these things don't happen to be her nerd things. Every every subculture is in certain ways embarrassing. Like, for instance, I enjoy marijuana. I do not want to participate in marijuana <laughs> culture. I, I enjoy, like – I don't know. I enjoy reading, like – um, what's the genre called? Um, I, I enjoy true crime. I never want to hang out with other people that read true crime because they are weirdos who watch Nancy Grace. And you know, not like all stereotyping. No, you know what? Like I'll allow it. Yeah, certain, certain, allow. certain stereotypes are true. Like there, there are certain things like, like okay, so Sam and I, not so much now because it's really gone super conservative. We listen to Adam Carolla. Okay, this is a good example. And. I was a huge Corolla fan through the Loveline days. Yeah, I, I think your love he, did love. Some, he did some awesome work on that show. And for a time, I enjoyed his podcast. Now, when Adam came to Manhattan, Sam and I actively chose not to attend his shows because as much as we enjoy Adam in isolation, we do not want to be around other Adam Corolla fans. It's just not not a great crowd. No, I, I understand that. Um so, that's kind of how I feel about sci-fi. Like, there's there's just something kind of... I feel secondhand embarrassment. I mean, I, I get that. I don't know if it's necessarily always true. Um, and you can obviously always find people on the fringes who enjoy things that are not the stereotypical. Um, well, I think I think there's, there's, like, a certain level of fandom, and I think Jordan and I have talked about this before, I think in regards to community. I think people... For even things that are very cultish, people don't like them for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. But there's kind of, uh, from an outsider's perspective, there's like a reason, there's a reason like people generalize. So like in terms of something, a show like Community, I think a lot of people like Community or a, a big cult audience likes Community. But I think I would vehemently disagree with a lot of fans of Community about certain things. Yeah. I think a lot of fans of community are just in it for like references. And I think that's true of really any fan base. Yeah, yeah. Like I like Quentin Tarantino films. I don't want to hang out with like the Quentin Tarantino official fan club because that's going to be a lot of douchebags. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, ag I agree <laughs> with that, but Not I think to generalize. no, but you know what? Like a certain amount of generalization never hurt anyone. Ashley's being real right now. <laughs> real talk. Real talk. When I when I uh, tweet about this podcast, uh, I will hashtag it real talk for you. Thank you. Um, Listen, I, I, I engage in a lot of nerdy things, and that's fine. But in, I am inherently very misanthropic, and I like to be alone. I don't like engaging with other people. That's why I feel constant rage working a customer service job. So when it comes to, like, viewing – nerd fandom as much as like that even exists think about like the website think geek it's all about indulging in these very self-referential things like the bacon trend and you know source code and that kind of stuff i you know i i get no pleasure in that 
I don't want to, I don't want to wear like, I don't need to wear some HTML joke t-shirt so that other nerds can be like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. I but I think, joke. but you have that same impulse for like bands. It's the same. It's the same desire. It absolutely is. I don't, but like if, if I'm wearing a t-shirt with a band on it, I really don't want to talk to anybody else about the band. But well, what's the point of wearing the t-shirt with the band on it? Yeah, but you're wearing it to express your love for that thing. So, like, I got, like, my Doctor Who and Community shirt. Mm-hmm. And I, I got it because I love both of those things. Yeah. And they're both on one shirt. And they both, and the shows happen to have a connection with the Professor uh, Spacetime parody. And, uh, like, I don't I don't wear a lot of band shirts. I know I, I, I vary with you two here. And I actually, for whatever reason, I consciously started wearing fewer band shirts in the last few years just because... I don't. I, I can't even really explain it. I haven't put as much thought into it as perhaps I should have. But I haven't been as wearing wearing as many band shirts. But I do wear my uh, my Muppets shirt a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And every time I wear that, you know, like if someone comes up and is like, "Oh, I love the Muppets too," it's it's like cool, awesome. And like I think part of the reason that I keep wearing that shirt is that I like the Muppets and I like it when I strike up casual conversations with random people on the street about the Muppets. I don't want to go to a Muppet convention probably. Although were mm-hmm. there a Muppet convention near me, maybe I would reconsider that. Um, but I have no problem, uh, you know, vaguely associating myself out there to the world as someone who loves the Muppets. Yeah. I mean, I don't go, I don't, I don't wear clothing to, to make people stop me on the street and go, let's talk about this thing. I, I, you know, I, for, I do it for, I wear a lot of band t-shirts too. You guys know, mm-hmm. I do well, it just cause I, I like them and I'm, I'm, I'm showing about, like, my pride. It's a way to I express yourself t-shirts. to the world, right? That's like, that's a large reason why you wear any given thing is like, this is the image I want to put out there. Well, I think there's a difference though, between like a band t-shirt and an inside joke t-shirt. Like, I'm not going to wear like an inside joke about Reddit. Like, I'm not going to wear like, can I get an upvote t-shirt and then have other people be about, like, yeah, Reddit, you know? I, no, I, I don't know, but no, I feel actually, like, I but I feel I like a lot of, but I feel like a lot of, there are a lot of fandom shirts with inside jokes. And I'm sure this is definitely true. It's true of like, you know, clothing I've seen of Buffy and Doctor Who and that sort of thing where it's very inside jokey, but it's kind of just the same thing. It's kind of saying like, I'm a fan. This is who I am. I guess. I mean, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's a false comparison. What, what I'm really trying to say is like, and there's a great example in and of itself, Reddit. Have you ever seen what a Reddit meetup looks like? No. Oh, well you should take a look because there is an event I'll never attend. Do you know what I mean? I, like you, you can enjoy something and not want to participate in the kind of like the self-sustaining subculture around it. But I, I don't think like that might be true of me and everything. And I don't know if that says something negative about me, but I think it might. Because, I think it's definitely true of me and everything. Right. Because like ultimately I think I don't really want to go to any of these conventions or gatherings of people into one specific thing, despite the fact that I might be into those super specific things. Um, and maybe it's like an antisocial tendency of mine that I should look more closely at as opposed to um, laughing it off. And I'm not saying that's true of you, obviously, but no, I mean, I, I I'm examining now you're, you're causing me now to examine the same exact tendency in myself, which is to say, like, I love Buffy. I've never gone to a Buffy convention. Um, you know, I read comics now uh, for over a year and I would I haven't ever thought about going to Comic-Con, although really I'd consider that because of all the cool movie premieres and things well, see, that you get to check we out there. We talked about wanting to go to Comic-Con, mm-hmm. Ashley and I. But we I, think it would just be kind of like a fascinating place, right? Well, you know, and I, and I have actually gone to a lot of conventions. I've gone to sci-fi conventions and I've gone to horror movie conventions. Um, so you really have far more experience than either of us in talking about what you're expecting to get there. Because I, I have never been to a single convention in my yeah, life. Yeah, I mean, most of the conventions that I went to, it was, 
it was kind of for people watching, honestly, people watching and booths, because at the time that I was going to a lot of these conventions, shows like Buffy were still on the air. So you could get a lot of merchandise. Like I have a really cool um, Buffy poster that was, um, it was a jumbo size advertising poster from Australia that I bought off a dealer at a convention. You get some cool shit. Anyway, but like listening to the panel discussions, I felt secondhand embarrassment. You know, the way that like someone would like make a joke about Star Trek and like the whole audience would giggle and they're like, we're finally safe here. It's our community. Well, you I know, think that's I, nice for them. That is nice for them. I just don't want to be part of it. I don't want to be part of anything <laughs> ever. I hate groups. I so hate groups. Anyway, the Golden Globes. <laughs> I, I just think, want to say it's okay if you don't like Doctor Who. Thank you. That's all I wanted. It's okay. I'm sure there's something you really like that I don't like. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Well, we, just, we haven't gotten there yet. So, some, I'm sure we will. Someday I'll sit you down and you'll watch. Folk or something. Yeah, I'll hate it. The American Queerest Folk, and you'll be like, "This is kind of bullshit," and I'll be like, "I accept and validate that statement. It's fine." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turns out we don't all like all of the same things, and oftentimes we do those for acceptable reasons. Like, I completely agree with everything you say about Doctor Who, while fundamentally liking the show and probably planning to watch it for years to come. Um, Sam got me into it this summer, as we've talked about on the podcast briefly before. And I, I would consider myself a fan, and I plan to watch the show going forward. But also, I completely see every point you've made about the show is valid, and I see why you wouldn't like those things. So I feel like that's true of a lot of things that we talk about all the time, you know? Like, people's opinions differ, and that doesn't necessarily make them invalid, despite mm-hmm. my often gut reaction to the opposite of that. Yeah. Jordan, should you clarify for your listening audience that Sam and I are dating? Because I feel like that would clear up a lot about this past. I mean, we can clarify that. I think we. I think it might have been mentioned before on the podcast, Sam. I don't know if you've mentioned it before. Um, I mean, I feel like you've come up on the podcast before. Not that we we don't talk about you, but it's just like talk about how wonderful Ashley went and saw whatever. For listeners of the podcast, Sam and Ashley are dating. Sam, Ashley, and I all went to college together and are close friends. It's nice that we pretend that people who don't know us are listening to the podcast. Yeah, well. That type of negativity, Ashley. I'm not that being negative. I'm being... Negativity. There are dozens of us, Ashley. You know who says real talk? People who are about to be a dick to you. <laughs> I'm going to get real. I hate your face. No, but you know what the difference is? I say it after I've already been a dick, and you're like, hey. <laughs> hey, stop being real. Like, no, 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 That's no. like uh, when, when my little brother was, was a young child, he would say, like, no offense, but... And then he would say something horrible. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, like, do that as adults. Oh, yeah. They're like, no adults. Or no adults. No offense, but I hate your face. I hate everything you represent. Sam, apparently a lot of people hate your face. Last year, um, I was getting ready for Halloween, and at my uh, current humiliating job, we can dress up for Halloween. Um, And I was talking to my coworker, and she was like, so what are you going to be? I'm like, you know, I just, I don't really know. And she said, well, don't take this the wrong way, but what you're wearing right now, it could be a pirate costume. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, how, how could you not take that the wrong way? I did take it the wrong way. I continue to take it the wrong way. Fucking side-eye her every day. What you're wearing now? It could be a pirate costume. <sighs> so demeaning. I didn't, it, didn't, it didn't look like a pirate. It was just a lawn shirt that was belted, okay? You didn't look like a pirate. It was a tunic with a chunky belt. Well, I think chunky belts are automatically associated with pirates. 
which is silly. tunics. But you know what? It was all from Urban Outfitters. I didn't look like a pirate on purpose. I don't know. You looked like a hipster. I don't know. As we've talked about many times before, though not on the podcast, I don't think. I don't really understand the term hipster. I know. I know. That's that's that's, that's for another podcast. Yeah. It's, it's part of it's part of me being an idiot. Let's be honest. Oh, you don't actually believe that. Oh, but I do. Oh, Jordan. Um, <laughs> so, so we were talking about after the Golden Clothes, we were talking about how hard it was for Jordan and I to make the top 10 Doctor Who list. Mm-hmm. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a little behind the scenes for those of you who have read the list um, or those of you who are now thinking about reading the list, Sam and I, it was it was pretty gut wrenching, especially considering the fact that, like, I'm not I'm probably not as invested in Doctor Who as you are, Sam. But I'm certainly not as invested in Doctor Who as I am in a lot of other things. And yet still, when looking at the list of episodes that were in consideration, it was like, I don't know. These are all, like, great episodes of TV. I think it ended up being even a stronger crop than I had anticipated while I was, you know, thinking about and preparing the potentials. Because when it came down to it, it got really hard. There have been seven seasons, and each season has had maybe 11 episodes. 12. 12 episodes. Some had 14, I think. Yeah, so it's... It's close to 100 episodes that we had to whittle down to 10. And someday soon, actually, Sam and I were talking, and we think we're probably going to revisit the top 10 episodes thing and do a Buffy list. So I could participate in that. And we do. You are welcome to join us. That'll be a similarly, similarly. That's going to be way harder. Similarly, baby. That'll be difficult also. Yeah. Four episodes, and I also have more of an emotional connection to that show. Porky baby. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, um, if if all of you out there listening to the podcast liked the Doctor Who list and are looking for more top 10 episodes of television series lists, let us know, because that's something we'll probably do in the future. So the Golden Globes, they really rewarded Argo's mediocrity, didn't they? That was not a great movie. It was yeah, a good movie. It was a say, great it movie. Didn't, it, it, it didn't surprise me, because a lot of people seem to love Argo a lot more than I do, but Argo was a movie that I, I thought was quite good, but nowhere near great, and it wasn't in my my top crop of movies for the year. It was just the most, like, straightforward, unchallenging movie that I've seen all year. And that's including Lincoln. I think, like, there were elements of Lincoln that were more innovative than what was done with Argo. Well, Lincoln had at least the moment, and this by no means, by the way— makes up for the fact that it was really kind of racially reductive throughout the rest of the movie, but it at least had the moment that acknowledged that Lincoln was not so much a progressive as we often portray him as, but was a man who thought like, this is the way to move forward, whether or not I personally agree with it. And I kind of like, I enjoyed that moment, even like, though, like I said, it didn't make up for some of the other problems I had, but it was at least something that made me go, Oh, okay. Like the movie is going to at least acknowledge that it's not broaching the issue as much as it should be. Um, Argo, didn't even really have any issues like that, you know, except for unless you want to talk about the fact that Tony Mendez is not white and Ben Affleck is. Yeah, that's kind of weird, but Ben Affleck, I guess, really wanted to play the lead in his own movie. I was going to say, that's kind of weird, but it's not like it's not nearly as problematic as a lot of what Lincoln was doing to me. And I don't think it, it fundamentally changed the story in ways that Lincoln did. But ultimately, if anything, it makes Argo less interesting to discuss than Lincoln. <laughs> I was assuming, I think, like like most people, that Lincoln would be kind of the good, safe choice to win a bunch of awards at this and the Oscars. But now I don't really know. I still think it is for the Oscars. I mean, if I were 
we handicapped the Oscars on the last podcast, and if I were the uh, if I were a betting man still, I would still give Lincoln the edge for for best picture. Yeah, I mean, also Affleck won for director, and he's not even nominated. Yeah, so clearly he doesn't have the support among the Academy that he does among the the Huffpa. I think part of it is that it was a movie about movies, and they love that kind of. Movie, movie. I think the best thing to come out of Argo has been the recurring jokes, I think, largely on Twitter about, like, different movies being Argo'd. Um, yes. I specifically enjoyed earlier today, I think I saw someone tweeting about how most Terry Gilliam projects have now been revealed as Argo's. Yeah. I think that's funny. Um, and I enjoy... <laughs> that's really what you expect from a award-winning movie. It provides some Twitter humor. No, that is not my... That, in fact, my point is exactly the opposite. I know. That I think the best thing to come out of it is is a running gag. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a movie last uh, in 2011 that I think I felt exactly the same about. It. Is like my favorite thing about it was oh, we bought a zoo. Oh but god. That movie is all of the I bought a zoo or related jokes that came out of that. Like I think so it's a movie you that saw I saw that movie. Yeah, I saw that movie. It's Cameron Crowe. Of course, I saw it. You didn't see it. Mm-mm. No. It just looks so horrible. It's not. It's not horrible. By any stretch, but it's everything that it looks like in the trailers. That's oh, it looks so terrible. He's like, kids, your mom's gone. It's just you and us now. Was it's, the mom dead or something or divorced? And it's super um, kind of over the top and, and, you know, pretty much everything else that you see from the trailers. But it's not, like, terrible. It's just not a very good movie. And it's so upsetting to me that Cameron Crowe has spent pretty much the last decade since Almost Famous not ma- making not very good movies over a decade since almost famous 13 years now and yeah. that's disappointing well apparently now the best he can do is we bought a zoo and scratch your hands your new mom and <laughs> animals are whimsical it's very unfortunate speaking of animals are whimsical um maybe we should talk about life of pi for a moment which i had not seen uh when the golden globes aired but have since gone out and seen because of my compulsive need to see every Best Picture nominee every year. And what did you think, Jordan? I thought it was pretty. Um, That's what everyone I know who has seen it has said. That's what Sam said. That's what my mom said. That's what my brother said. And they have, like, no investment in movies at all. There's really not a whole lot else to it. The one thing, um, there's a... Oh, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's one thing in the movie that... I'll never see it. Don't worry. There's one thing... Well, there, kind in of theory, there are people listening to the podcast who might not Oh, turn spoil. your volume down. <laughs> There's there's one thing. Not up. Spoiler alert. Life of Pi. Real talk. Real talk. And then we will move on. So if you don't want one emotional beat from the movie spoiled, skip a minute ahead. But there's a moment near the end of the movie where uh, Pi is finishing telling a story and saying that his heart was broken when, like, after spending all this time on this boat with this tiger, the tiger just leaves into the jungle and doesn't look back. And he's like, "That I thought we had a relationship. That really broke my heart. And I was like, motherfucker it's a tiger like what do you expect it's an animal it finally got loose off the boat it's been trapped on for months well i think maybe that's kind of the point maybe he was he was in fact anthropomorphizing the tiger yeah the dad at the beginning said the tiger's a tiger motherfucker right and i think that the movie the movie wanted that to be a bigger emotional moment in terms of like oh we should feel for him as opposed to a bigger like that's like like that's just something that didn't really it's I think the moment just didn't work for me as well as um, the movie intended it to, especially considering it seems to be one of the like climactic emotional moments of the movie. Wasn't the the inherent metaphor that the the tiger is God and God in certain ways will always be unknowable and 
Not necessarily. In fact, the movie makes a very direct link that the tiger represents someone very, very specific who is not God. Am I correct, Jordan? You are correct. Um, and so, that also was kind of dumb. We won't get into that, but... Yeah, we, we don't need to talk about that, but... No. The, I movie, was, I, the movie is, is very religious, but it's kind of pan-religious. It's yeah. like all religions are right. Like, everyone... like It's like believe in spirituality is the movie. Huh, how beautiful. I mean, beautiful. It's like the Unitarian you, Church. It, beautiful, <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing. I'm, which I'm not. So I'm not either. Most, but, mostly, I think that the movie was directed at, a, at an emotional wavelength that I do not find myself on, and it didn't really work for me. No, I think someone on, dis, on, on Twitter described it as, uh, in a year, you're going to be seeing it on all the screens at Best Buy to show off the TV's uh, picture quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you I know, saw when they all have like one movie running on them, mm-hmm. they'll have Life of Pi up there. And yeah. no one will be offended. I think it's a good way to describe it. Yeah, I think that's right. And it is. It's a very beautiful movie. It's not, I mean, I would go so far as to say it's well-directed, though. I don't know if exceptionally well-directed. I've seen better Ang Lee movies, I'll put it that way. Like Brokeback Mountain. Like Brokeback Mountain. Great movie. Sam's a little seen it. Sam I'm going to see it. It's on my list. Plus, Heath Ledger, man. Yeah. It's pretty good. Jake Gyllenhaal's pretty good, too. Even though Jake Gyllenhaal's t- generally not very good. I mean, everyone in that movie is pretty good. I think, I mean, Michelle yeah. is really good. Anne Hathaway is pretty good. Some people didn't like Anne Hathaway's performance, but I liked it. No, I thought she was good. Although, I think I tend to think Anne Hathaway is a better actress than a lot of people think. I know a lot of people bag on Rachel getting married, and I thought she was great in it. Oh, I thought she was really good in that. It's probably the best thing I've seen her in. Yeah, no, I agree. I I would pick that as her best performance. There's something about her I find distracting. I don't know what it is. She smiles a lot. Yeah. Dude, does that turn you off? No, there's kind of like a... It's the sign of happiness, Ashley. Oh, go fuck yourself. There's a certain... Real talk, motherfuckers! There's a certain, like, <laughs> Ashley has just broken a bottle over the side of the table. There's a certain over-the-topness to Anne Hathaway. That she, I, I mean, she's very hammy, but that's kind of what you get. I mean, she's like a theater kid. Like, yeah. I was talking people. about that, actually, um, Sarah, who's been on the podcast before, and I were talking the other night, and she was saying... Um, She's not a huge fan of Anne Hathaway because she's she's like earnest to the point of awkwardness. Yeah, I agree. In all of her public appearances, and I said I think that's true, but like she grew up a theater kid, and that's that's kind of a, a trait you get from theater kids, especially very successful theater kids. Like I know a lot of theater kids who were theater kids that didn't necessarily do as well in theater as they always thought they might, and they they tend to be sort of the, the quirkier, more sarcastic, slightly bitter theater kids who obviously I'm attracted to. <laughs> Nothing uh, more fun than a bitter theater all, kid. Like, oh my god. Are, are more Anne Hathaway types than, you know, the other types of theater kids that people often see. So I feel like it makes perfect sense to me that Anne Hathaway is the way she is. Well, then I should I should preface my statement by saying that there are a few cultures that I loathe more than the theater kid culture. And that that's going to be unwelcome because our only audience members are all theater kids. Oh, it's not true. It is absolutely true. Yeah. Leave a comment. Give us a five-star rating. Let Ashley know. Sam Sam tracks the viewership, and he, apparently they're all theater kids. They're all theater kids. They filled out. They, they put a five-star rating on iTunes, and they say, I love this so much. I listened to it before. I never pay my rent. I listened to it before our rehearsal never. for rent. Rent, 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 rent. They don't need to pay rent. They're in high school. One day, but one day that they will refuse to pay their rent because of squatters' rights. Yeah, rent is stupid. Paying rent is stupid. Also, apparently, all theater kids are characters in Rent. If you're Ashley, 
I, I mean, it's just, it's the most annoying musical I can think of. Oh, you know what's kind of worse in a way? Wicked. I haven't seen Wicked. I haven't seen Wicked or Rent. The two. More. I haven't either, and I know they're awful. <laughs> okay, I was just gonna say. Actually, really, I've actually seen both of them on the stage. Actually, 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 to, to be fair, I have seen Rent. I've seen Rent on stage. I've seen the film adaptation by the great Christopher yeah, Columbus. <laughs> if anyone isn't an auteur, it's Christopher <laughs> Columbus. If you wanted to find someone who's Who's a director who directs a lot of movies but still isn't an auteur? A major on sense. Someday I will that, edit whose film is it anyway about Christopher Columbus, and it will be about the complete absence of style in all of his movies. Yeah, from, from <laughs> the ties together is they are all completely. Do your movie lack style? If I remember from my reading, the opposite of a well, not really opposite, but the complement to an auteur is a major on sense, which is more, you know, an auteur is the artist. A mentor is more of like a craftsman. They are capable of making a film, whether or not it has any artistic integrity or individualizing stamp on it is debatable and unlikely. Who else is like that? Gore what? Verbinski. Gore Verbinski? Um, some people argue Steven Spielberg. I disagree. I disagree. Steven Spielberg has too many predilections. Most of them are, are de- like defaults in his movie and, and ticks that usually annoy me more than add to the art. But he definitely has thematic predilections that he sticks to, I think. Who was that guy that offed himself? He was kind of a mature and son. The guy, oh, uh, Tony Scott. Yeah, 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 Tony Scott. The guy who offed himself. Well, you know. <laughs> Bada bing and there, there aren't any other directors that killed themselves this year. This year, this year, year. see you next year. Happy 2013 from Ashley. Real talk. Like, but then, but then you have to consider, you know, is, is Michael Bay an auteur because he has defining features? I get, I think there, there is an argument. I wrote, wrote who's films anyway, Colin Michael Bay. And I think there's a lot of thematic and technical consistency to his movies. Um, does that make him, does that make him a good artist? No, but I think it might, uh, version the argument that he is an auteur. What's the I name of that movie he's coming out with? Um, he's like, coming, uh, that protein powder movie. Yeah. Holy uh, shit! Does that look like a yeah? And I mean something that I I I would forward um in my completely amateur study of auteurs um is that auteur does not necessarily denote quality so much as it denotes you know being able to pick out a director's work and being able to see certain things that they add to any movie that they are the director whether they be thematic, uh, technical, or otherwise. And I think that Michael Bay definitely has all of those qualities. Yeah. He just tends to make bad movies. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you if you watch his movies and you look at the relationships between the, uh, like, playboy protagonists and any woman in the movie, like, <laughs> they're all exactly the same. And they're very juvenile, but they're all, like, all of the relationships that his main characters have with the women are pretty much exactly the same. Michael Bay almost never has any sex in his movies, with the exception, the only one I can remember being The Island. Um, and Sam, you might remember, Sam and I were living together at the time that I was writing this column when I had to watch, like, every Michael Bay movie. And it was a... I don't remember that. I mean, I remember you wrote one on Michael Bay, but I don't remember you sitting and watching all the movies. Okay. Probably because I was avoiding you at Pearl that Harbor time. Pearl Harbor and The Island and every other one. I even remember... Oh, shit, you watched Pearl Harbor? I watched Pearl Harbor. I was dedicated to my cause. Hmm. And it was a cause of saying Michael Bay has a lot of consistency and he consistently makes bad movies as well. I was thinking the other day when I, I, I saw I was waiting in the movies to watch The Hobbit and I saw the poster for this new uh, this new pump and iron workout movie Michael Bay's doing. And I was thinking about his movies and I think I really liked genuinely in my heart Armageddon. 
I think Armageddon's I actually his like best Armageddon. movie. I think I liked it. I, I, I mean, I don't think I've seen it in a while, but I remember being, you know, a kid and really liking it. It just, you know, it had the comedy, it had the action, and I saw it. It was um, endlessly rewatchable. It would have been what 2010 or early early 2011, even. Um, I don't remember when the column went up, but I saw I saw it a few years ago. I think it's his best movie. Um, I don't love Armageddon. I don't. I don't even know if I really like it, but I think it's better than every other Michael Bay movie I watched. That's not hard. You know, I think even though I once wrote a defense of Gus Van Sant as an auteur, I think you could argue that he is a major on Sen because a lot of his movies, my argument was that he's an auteur because all of his movies contain a subtle but detectable homoeroticism. But beyond the homoeroticism, he has very few defining artistic features in his Yeah, own. and he also, he's also kind of all over the board. I haven't, I haven't actually done an auteur study on him, but of, the, of his movies that I've seen... He's he's kind of all over the board to a, to a level that I don't know that I I see much connective tissue. Well, and that's why I chose to do the auteur study on him when I did was the challenge of trying to figure out what connective tissue existed between these movies. Was that it though? Was that the only thread? That was the only thread. You know, gay, 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 gay. The thing I remember most about Gus Van Sant, really his entire career, which includes movies line. that I quite like, um, is how much I loathe Elephant. Yeah, I mean... The... I really, really hate that movie. I think I hate that movie more than I like any Gus Van Sant movie. And he's done some movies that I really like. Yeah, that, that trilogy is not for everyone. What was the other two in that trilogy? I know Elephant was one, and what were the other? Uh, Last Days, which was about Kurt Cobain's Last okay. Days. And then... Um... Was that a documentary, or was that no, a biopic? It was a biopic. Um, and Paranoid Park. Which I didn't see either. Yeah, I'm not a huge guy. I've Gus only seen Elephant, and I hated it so much that I may avoid the other two just by association. I kind of there were elements of Last Days that I enjoyed. Paranoid Park, I was not super into. What was what was Paranoid Park about? Um, it's about some kind of like ninth, ninth or tenth grade aged uh, kids that skated a skate park, and uh, spoiler alert, someone gets hit by a train. Oh God. Yeah. Um, that's about all I recall. It's a damn shame. I refuse to watch any movies when any when anyone dies in them. <laughs> that's my that's my one rule. Oh, you're like an old lady. No I one feel can like they're die. Old ladies. There can be as much sexual violence as they want, but they have to live. You know, what an old lady said to me today. Yes. So we have a greeting card in the store. It's a Christmas card that's on sale now, and it's a old timey picture of a man and a woman, and they have like eight kids, uh-huh. and on the front of the card, oh it says, okay. I love giving homemade gifts. Which one do you want? And it's a picture of the parents, like, you know, trying to give away their That's kids. a fun joke that parents would get a laugh out of. Yes. An old lady brings it up to the counter and said, this is tasteless and offensive considering the horrible things that have happened to children this year. How dare you sell this card? Really? Really? People, people are uptight. I'm just saying. I don't <laughs> think that card implies child murder. Or makes a tasteless joke of child murder. Because no matter how many kids get murdered this year, parents are still going to want to give away their annoying kids in a jokey way around Christmas. Because kids are annoying. I mean, the card doesn't sound the card doesn't sound like Real it was talk. advocating murder. It sounds like <laughs> yeah. it was at worst advocating giving up your child for adoption. It was just saying like, you want to take one of my kids? They're killing me. It's like, <laughs> would she get offended if it's like you know, you know, some hacky comedian is like, take my wife. 
please. Yeah. You know, that's the same joke. Yeah, it's like, do you, it, know, do you know how many women have been abused and murdered this year? Very many, I'm sure. Millions. Can you still make that joke? Absolutely. Ah, she's a hacky old woman. Doesn't matter. Real talk. Real talk. I was like, I think we should do an offshoot of the Review Name podcast. Um, it's called, called Real Talk. Ashley <laughs> just, just airs her grievances. It's like <laughs> Festivus every day. Like uh, once a week, Ashley gets uh you know gets at her, her of the grievances. It, just it becomes a smash hit. An hour, and we put it up, and we go, guys. Here's this week's real talk, in which Ashley talks about greeting cards and conventions. Hey, you know what? I I interact with a lot of the public, at least the public that lives and visits the Upper West Side of Manhattan. It's a horrifying selection of humanity. Let me tell you. And on top of that, you know, I do a lot of reading. I've taken a lot of films, a lot of television. Yeah, I, I, I got opinions. Yeah, I, and Real I think talk. you're entitled to all of them, whether or not I agree with them. Yeah, well, Jordan, you agree with me. The, you know what the problem I is? I do the vast so, majority of the time. Let's make that clear. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? I missed oh, that. Jordan. <laughs> I, I just said, come on, Jordan. I know you agree with me. It's the blacks that are the problem. <laughs> this is this is actually doing her impression now of Adam Carolla. Oh, <laughs> that's not true. Yeah, so, I so agree I'm the vast majority of the time. I will have to part ways with you on the idea that the blacks are the problem. Oh, I don't actually think that. I, they, you know what? They give me no trouble. We're, you, doing, we're doing a bit right now, and the bit includes you thinking the blacks are the problem, apparently. No, you, you know who the difficult customers are? Here we go. White lady. You see a white lady come in, Ashley's going to have a bad time. <laughs> Minorities, A+. Plus, no problems, unless they're Asian women, because they're ball busters. I, I like I like the idea of Ashley's gonna have a bad time as your catchphrase on Real Talk. <laughs> Ashley's gonna have a bad time. You no, mix seriously. the condiments together. Ashley's gonna have a bad time during your condiment episode. Seriously, every every problem I've ever had at my job, here we go. The source has been a white lady, a white <laughs> middle aged to elderly lady. They are rabble rousers. They are angry. They are out to ruin other people's lives. They're a scourge. A scourge? Please, like, kill me by the time I'm, like, 52-ish. Because if I'm the rest of them... I plan to be still alive, though probably on my last years, by the time I'm in my 50s. (laughs) Jordan will be long dead by then. Yeah, I was going to say, Jordan, please, don't don't joke yourself. It's it's not true. I'd love to make it to my 50s based on the life expectancy you guys have long granted me. (laughs) Well... Jordan, for a long time, I think you've said I don't. I think you've said you won't make it till thirty. That's been a running gag. That would be horrible because think about how much time and money you've spent on law school. If I really thought I wasn't going to make shame be in law school right now, that's obvious. Jordan's betting on that he'll beat those odds. He'll beat the odds. I better. Unlike you, I am an optimist. How much? How much misery have I toiled through these last years, and will I continue to for another year and a half? Yeah, I mean, I just somehow there, there's just like nothing sadder to me than someone finishing a postgraduate degree, especially one as grueling as law, only to to die. Yeah, I I know a lot of people last year to die. Like 2012 will be the end of the world thing. We're like, I'm gonna be so pissed when the world ends and I am still in law school. Yeah, that would be a bummer. Like as as ridiculous as the idea that the world was going to end was, it uh, it's like yeah, if I if I died like while in law school it would have i would have wasted my my last years and i mean like i enjoy law school more than a lot of people do despite the fact that i bitch about it to no end when it's killing me in finals 
But I would still like if I thought I was like if I found out I had terminal cancer right now, I would drop out of law school. Absolutely. But I mean, I think like Sam and I would both quit our jobs if we had cancer, too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, Sam's job is like fair to middling. My job is the seventh circle of hell, (laughs) but we would both quit our jobs. Well, I think you'd want to spend time on getting better, you know. Like, you don't want to have to work well, for that. Either, Such a serious either, illness. either get better or go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> I, 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 got, I got $400 in my bank account. We're going to make some we're gonna, magic happen. We're going to paint the town red. Yeah. Literally, we're going to buy cans of red paints. So we're going to go to Sherwin-Williams. Yeah. <laughs> they have good deals there. Yeah. They are a sponsor of this podcast. We're going to buy $400 worth of red paint. Which paint is, the town what? red. Four cans? Four cans of red paint. It's <laughs> Manhattan, after all. I really like the idea that uh, Sherwin Williams is is a sponsor of the Review Name podcast. Well, not anymore. Ask Sherwin Williams. There you go. Now they're back on. What were we talking about before <laughs> Ashley started talking about which races she hates? You know what, though? Her job. <laughs> you know what? We should get a jingle, though. I've been. Do you remember I tried to compose yes. a jingle one time for the podcast, and I just I sucked at it. Well, so. you know, you know, I've I've been telling Jordan this over and over. This podcast needs any opening music it could be terrible it just needs to be something i don't disagree i um i'm you know maybe maybe slightly busy doing both everything related to the website and law school in addition to anything else that i involve myself in stupidly um so i've shifted the theme music off to someone else and i i I have a question though if if i recall from the scant com classes that i took isn't it if we use like an under 30 second sample of any song and we're not making any profit off of it, it does not fall within fair use. I think we can do that. Can our theme song be whatever the fuck we want it because to be? Because the Fire and Iceberg podcast, I mean, they use real songs every week and they're not, I assume they're yeah. not paying for them. No, um, in theory, we can fair use anything. And in theory, if we use a short enough segment of the song and we're not trying to profit off of it, it would be fair use. Um, to the best well, of my still admittedly in progress legal knowledge. But uh, we have not yet done that, and I'd rather compose an original song. Um, wow. no, per- not personally. We have, we have high standards here, Ash. We have no one with musical talent in our community. Chris Chris has musical talent. He was in a band about, what, vampire zombies? Frankly, frankly, my, my dream right now is for Chris to find some uh, Darker Shade of Grey recordings from whatever band was in called that Darker band, Shade of Grey. And, and give us a vampire-themed theme song to the, uh, to the podcast. I think that's pretty kind of fun. I think, I've known Chris for, what, seven years now? And I think my favorite thing I have ever learned about him is that he was once in a rock band called The Darker Shade of Grey that wrote songs about vampires. How old was he? I assume high school. Yeah, I, I think he said early high school. Oh, all right. That's acceptable. I, I just didn't know if this was, like, in his early 20s. Do you know what I think we should use for our theme song? Writer for the band and says he didn't really listen to the lyrics until later, and that's when he discovered he was in a vampire-themed rock band. We should use the theme song from The L Word. Oh, to God. be our theme song. The worst theme song ever, Jordan. I don't know if you've say, heard it. You once do a, a worst theme songs list on the site? Um, I'm looking at it because I'm pretty sure it exists. Yeah, well, Look the, it up. the theme song for the L word is truly the, the worst. It is, it's heinous. By sure, a band called okay. Betty. We didn't actually write the list. Uh, by a band called Betty, who I saw perform at Baltimore Gay Pride 2005. And they were pretty fucking horrifying in person too but it's easily the worst theme song i've ever heard and that includes a lot of those like 
bad 80s shows. Fucking Homeland, Dollhouse. Um, Dollhouse will grow on you. And Homeland actually grew on you. Dollhouse will not grow on you. It grew on you. I'll never watch Dollhouse. Unfortunately. Actually, Dollhouse is one of the foundations of our friendship. How dare you? Jordan, I was just coming over to hang out. Like, Dollhouse was the pretense. But... You you think I I never deduced that? I just wanted buddies. It's no crime to want buddies. (laughs) Lock you up in jail if it's a crime to want yeah, buddies. Yeah, that's right. And I got buddies. We're still buddies now. Or think... you never finished Dollhouse. <laughs> oh. That was that was really the key. You never finished Dollhouse. You were dead to him. Yeah, but it got kind of lame, and we were having good conversations. No, it got better. <laughs> I I am someone. I think I don't think I stuck around the whole first season of Dollhouse. I watched the first few episodes. But I never got into the theme. By the song. way, we never wrote the worst theme songs list, so let's let's do that sometime soon, gang. I think it begins and ends with the L word. Pretty bad. Well, Jordan, how do you feel about the Homeland opening credits? The Homeland theme song? also grew on me over time because I feel like it actually like at first I thought it was batshit and I had no idea what the show was doing, but eventually I, I started to see like how jazz played into its larger themes and I thought it, it kind of worked. No, I understand the jazz playing into the larger, larger themes. I just, I don't like... Here the, it comes, here the, it comes. <laughs> Shut up. Real talk warning. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't like, I don't like the excerpts of speeches. I don't like the excerpts of conversations from earlier episodes. And I especially don't like that super shitty sequence where she and Brody are in a garden maze. Whoa, symbolism right there. And those like awkward child photographs of Claire Danes, which only exist because she's been a child actress for so long. It's well, you know, you know, most people have pictures of themselves as child, children as and well. And they shouldn't be in opening credit sequences for Why? Homeland. Why? Because I don't like it. Yeah. Huh. Interesting point. It's just, it's such a... It is kind of scattered there, there's, there's no subtlety to that opening sequence. A garden maze. A garden maze. Who's chasing who? I, I I think I was gonna say I think it makes sense. I don't think it's subtle, whiskey. but I think there are a lot of theme songs that aren't subtle I that wish I love. Like an empty bottle of whiskey in your right hand <laughs> while you say, "Who's chasing who? Who's chasing?" Yeah, who? I, bet, I bet a lot of a lot of high fives and congratulations were had in the it office. Is, uh, <laughs> like, it is the happy hour podcast. Ashley's allowed to have whiskey spilling all over herself by the end here. Let's put Carrie and Brody in a garden maze. Just to paint a picture, she's wearing a wife beater <laughs> and cut off jeans. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Like, some of my favorite sitcoms aren't, or sitcoms, uh, title sequences aren't exactly subtle. Like, I'm thinking right now of uh, the Six Feet Under theme song, which I love, and which is all like, look at graves and images of life and dying. I mean, like, Dexter's opening well, credit sequence not isn't, isn't subtle either, but there's an artistry to it. There's there's cleverness. There's nothing clever in Homeland's opening sequence. It's I just think like, the, I think the entire terrorism, terrorism, clips, it, terrorism. That it cuts back and forth between a variety of things, the way that it uses jazz is actually a really clever recreation of Carrie's sort of manic personality. But isn't Carrie's manic personality just insufferable? It's well, one crew of fear. See, I know you hate her, but I think that's one of the reasons that she's interesting. Um, and... <laughs> It's, it's interesting. I'll grant you that. You sound like a drunk child. <laughs> oh, shut up. You like it. Oh, shut up. You like it. You, you like guys it. are like that uh, Jimmy Fallon, Rachel Bratch <laughs> couple on SNL right That's now. What I'm wearing. You like it. Yeah, you like it. It's 
It's like it's like a Law and Order episode where like the like the wife is like, "You're upsetting me," and he's like, "You like it? Come on, you, you like what you I'm like wearing? It. You like it? Come on, give Daddy a smile. No, daddy no, a smile. I don't want to smile for Daddy. That's something Sam and I just say to each other whenever we're being disgusting. It's like you like it. Yeah, we do say that a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's fun. You like it? You like it? And they always and do. And we always do. Ah. <laughs> Nice. And that's why you guys have a happy ending. We do. We're very content. We ate cheeseburgers tonight. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. Which is a sign of contentment. Mm-hmm. I think that's a sign of happiness. And later, peppermint patties. Yeah, we have peppermint patties, which is very exciting. That's mm-hmm. not where I thought you were going to go when you said it later. <laughs> and later, peppermint <laughs> patties. <laughs> I was like, wow, we're in a lot on the podcast tonight, Ashley. But and she'll take her drink to bed. I'm not drunk. And then scream real talk before smashing the bottle against the wall. <laughs> we have a very Buffy and Spike relationship. Yep. Ashley That's the thing that could ever provide Ashley happiness in the long term. Oh, if you give us enough time. There just wasn't enough time for those two. <laughs> Things were really improving towards the end. I think those two could have made it. Yeah, the thing, and and we've actually, I think I'm. Like, so we've talked did. about this before in the podcast. We've certainly talked about it before in real life. Is after the whole attempted rape, I feel like it'd be hard for them to make it. But you know what? That was the writers writing themselves into a corner. That was a poor decision on their part because the writers they... write everything in their show, though, and that's a thing in the show. I mean, like it or not, it is canon, and we right. are rightfully angry that they decided to go that direction with Spike. Oh, I'm angry too. But to me, it, it that like shuts down the possibility for me in a way that it doesn't for a lot of other people. But in the writing of the show, which is also canon, Buffy 100% got over it and was super into him, either as a romantic partner or as a friend that she loved dearly. Perfectly healthy, end. perfectly normal. Right. So Buffy is flawless, so... No, I'm not saying she's flawless. I I'm want just better saying... for Buffy than an attempted rapist, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> look look at Mighty Mouse over here. Yeah, seriously. Real talk actually rape is bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think rape is bad, but it's great that you don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, Ashley, that you support rape. Last time Jordan and I talked about the definition of the word hipster, he implied that I was racist, and that's where the <laughs> conversation ended. There was too it, much real talk. Yeah, you did. I don't remember implying that you were racist. You did. That's why I left the apartment and then angrily texted Ryan afterwards that things have gone too far. This is this is a an unparalleled look into our lives. Mm-hmm. Look it's, what you bring to this is podcast. It, is it so much more fun though than just talking about like, oh yeah, what's her face came out and like, oh I, I'm I'm gay and a you know mystery wrapped inside a. Role. Are you talking about Jodie Foster? Yeah, Jody Would you Foster. like to talk about Jodie Foster's speech? Yeah, it was very self indulgent and stupid. I thought. I thought it was kind of all over the place. Yeah, my, my biggest it problem good was that it was completely muddled, and I had no idea what she was saying half the time. Yeah, she's like, I should be left alone. I'm entitled to be left alone, but I'm famous. Being famous is fantastic. I love this award. Thank you. All my famous friends, I love you. It was, it was very all over the place. They kept panning over to her poor ginger children who just looked bored out of their minds. Someone on Twitter said that the older one looked like a version of the younger one just in the future, like a time traveler. Well, maybe they use the same batch. God. <laughs> same, probably. Just saying. But 
it's weird. I mean, that was a weird table. I mean, Mel Gibson looked like he was just like going to explode. Well, he loves Wait, I want to go back for a minute before we delve more into Jodie Foster, I guess. I don't remember how you being a racist came up when we were talking about hipsters. <laughs> Are we going to talk about this? Jordan, I'm sorry I brought it up. I don't remember either, but I remember what that, a mistake was, that, by was, that was the last straw of the argument, and then I left. <laughs> that's all I remember. I think, you, I think you were accusing me of being very stereotypical. Well, that's certainly true. Yeah. I, I, I remember the night that Rachel left the apartment because I was – well, that time I was joking, though, um, about – Being condescending about her major. Yeah. But I was just, I mean, that time I was distinctly being a dick, and it was more purposeful. Yeah, not all of us are on pre-professional tracks, Jordan. Some of us work retail jobs where we confront old ladies about child murder. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't being a dick about <laughs> that at all, to Here be clear. I know. I know. And mostly, yeah, mostly I was fucking with Rachel about academia, which is silly because both of my parents are teachers, and she knows that. I love this episode is just like, Opening up wounds. Is your dad the usual dark? Huh. Well, you know, I think I bring a certain flavor to the podcast. It's probably sorely lacking. Yeah, a certain whiskey flavor. I'm not drunk. Not drunk. <laughs> I'm not drunk. You're drunk. I've had like two Diet Cokes, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> drunk on Diet Coke. No, I'm just energized. And, you know, I'm a little tired of Guys, she's energized. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going to I'm gonna dye my hair tonight. I'm going to do my laundry tomorrow. I'm going to go to the grocery store. It's going to be a big day. Okay. Are you, you're still going to dye your hair tonight? Baby's Day Out. Yeah. Baby's Day Out. Your favorite movie, right? Yeah. Just to get an idea of what Ashley's taste in movies, Baby's Day Out is her number one film of all time. Yep. <laughs> number two. Dunstan checks in. Dunstan checks in. Faye Dunaway falls into a cake. It's priceless. Yeah. You know, in my mind's eye, those movies have an extremely similar aesthetic. They do. It was that mid-90s animal or child thing that was going on. But it, like, it looked like the colors. I mean, it was just kind of Beethoven. the same. No, as I recall, I completely agree, Sam. Yeah. This podcast really should have been about shitty children's movies from the 90s. Though I would argue that Beethoven was actually good. You realize yeah. in a couple days, Daniel's going to ask me for a description of this podcast when he's editing it together? Just tell him that we've, we've cracked the code to the universe with this podcast. I'm going to be like, well, we were originally going to talk about the Golden Globes, but fortunately we found way more interesting things to talk about instead. You know what 90s children's movie I really like? Man of the House with Chevy Chase and uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Anyone? Oh, Anyone? is that the one where he's a Boy Scout? Yeah, great. So fun. I didn't see that one. But I, uh, if you're talking 90s Chevy Chase, Christmas Vacation is way better. Well, yeah. But that's that's not really the a The Vacation movie. franchise should be left alone. That's a separate conversation. And it's they're also a separate not, plane. They're not children's movies. No. Well, that's certainly true. Um, but Man of the House is when he's taking Jonathan Taylor Thomas into the woods or something to be a Boy mm -hmm. Scout. Yeah. yeah, I remember Man of the... Man of the Yes, I remember Man of the House. Was Man of the House good, Ashley, or were you just rubbing one out to JTT? No. JTT, at the, at the time that I was watching Man of the House, I was probably already, like, a head taller than JTT. So and he was very childlike. Find shorter men. So your, your 90s guy was Leo. Yeah. Just yeah, Leo. Hands down. Anybody hands else? Hands down. Hands down. <laughs> 
Anybody else? Uh, um, I mean the the Hanson brothers. That was a that was a thing for a while. Um, not Isaac, not Isaac, but you know Taylor and Zach were cute. Um, but no, I mean Leo was my main main man. Still is. <laughs> still is. He's gotten a little bloated, but you know, still good. Wow, Jesus Christ, picky. I'm not. Yeah, Damn, I'm you better not gain any weight. What happens if I become bloated like Leo? No, no, no. no it, I'm not saying he's bloated like he's fat. He's not. He, it's like his, his face aged weird, so it's just wider now. <laughs> I mean, I think he looks pretty much the same. Are you kidding me? You've been, well, you're not a student of Leo. No, no. I haven't studied his face, and I'm putting face in air quotes. Leo's never done full frontal. <laughs> you Next. would know. You would know. How dare you? How dare I what? Imply that you would see a full frontal nude Leo in a movie? Yes. You wouldn't. You wouldn't want to see that. No, of course I would. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) He's pulling your chain. You're so offended. Jesus Christ. Please don't pull Sam's chain until after we finish recording the podcast. Ashley is a mean drunk and also gross. That's the funny thing, though. I'm not drunk. I'm just mean. Oh, you're not mean. Thanks, I know. I'm Jordan. <laughs> Jordan. Folks, what? Yes, Ashley? <laughs> do, you, do you got anything else? I was going to say, well, folks, we should probably wrap things up right about now because we've gone to the uh, to the heart of the universe tonight on the Happy Hour podcast. This, Touché. This, this flew by. <laughs> yeah. What did we talk about in this podcast? We talked about JTT. We talked about Leo DiCaprio, Life of Pi, arguments that we've had that will make no sense to anyone else. I uh, think it's in a good Doctor Who context. General, white women. White women. Where are the white women at? Uh, uh, general fandom in general. Nerds. Nerd fandom. Jerry Foster, Battlestar Galactica, and how T-shirts, band T-shirts. What else, Jordan? What have we talked about in this episode? I, I, I feel like oh, Doctor Who we talked about for a while, if you haven't mentioned that. We did, men- I did mention Doctor Who. Jordan, you know what the answer to tonight's Final Jeopardy was? Slumdog Millionaire. And everyone got it wrong. I can't believe it. It was four years ago. Yep. The question was, this 2008 <laughs> the film... The answer. The answer. Oh, get over it. Um, the This 2008 film won both Best Picture and Best Song... Both were in a foreign language. Someone put down the king's speech. The king's speech is about an English king. I know and what the king's speech is about. I assume the person who... I'm just expressing my frustration on how someone who can get that wrong. And then another guy put down the last king of Scotland, to which Sam rightly commented, remember that hit song from the last <laughs> king of Scotland? Also in English. Scotland and England speak English. Well, the last king of Scotland was actually about Idi Amin, but... Uh... Oh, yeah, well, like, I haven't... There's, there's, like, actually not really any Scottishness. And, I mean, but it's, it's not a foreign film, though. But wait, The Last King of Scotland isn't a foreign film, though, right? Or it's not a, it's not no. a non-English-speaking film. No. I mean, I'm sure there are scenes where people speak whatever language they speak in... Where... Uganda? Jordan? Uganda? Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, Uganda? <laughs> um... I just see Ashley, just, like, ten hours from now, just while she's sleeping. Jordan, Uganda? <laughs> just in her dreams. 
but uh, Stammer Dreams. Yeah, it was not a foreign film, and it was mostly about like it wasn't a foreign torture. language film. It was like torture and Stockholm syndrome. I remember I watched Last of Scotland on a plane, and spoiler alert: people get like dismembered and like drawn and quartered, and it was a fucked up thing to watch when you're sleep deprived trying to come back from Germany. I watched the uh, season premiere of Girls in an airport earlier this week, and I was thinking to myself, this is a bad idea. Do you want to talk about Girls? Yeah. We can talk about Girls for a minute. We should wrap up soon, but we can talk about Girls. All right. Yeah, because I know any conversation we have about Girls will be super quick. Oh, yeah. Like five minutes. I kind of liked liked the season premiere. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a good season premiere. I'm kind of dubious that Marnie would uh, fuck What's-His-Face, that gay guy. Well, they didn't really fuck. No, but they attempted it. But he was, like, super, super gay, like, a few minutes before that started. Well, you know what? I think he was trying to, like, maybe prove something to himself or something. Right, but, or... But I, I understand his motivations, but what was she doing? She was drunk she and lonely. his abs, and she was drunk. I suppose. She was feeling bad that her boyfriend's with that asshole chick. I'm just saying, I've never but, gotten that drunk and lonely that I've mistaken a gay man for a feasible heterosexual partner. Well, I don't think she was thinking of him as a feasible heterosexual partner so much as thinking of him as a one-time sexual partner. Yeah, I think that's what she was thinking. And he was thinking, like, let's see if I can do this. I suppose. And they both learned their lesson. Um... I'm curious to see more of this Donald Glover situation. Uh, I think it's kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tokeny, I guess. But is that the point? That is the point. But I can still be bothered by it. Jordan, thoughts? Donald Glover, I think we saw him for like 45 seconds tonight. I am out. Yeah, it's I feel like he's gotten a lot more ink about this episode than he was actually in. Yeah, yeah. I, I will pass judgment on Donald Glover as a character on Girls when his arc is completed. Is he on the rest of the season? Yes. I, I thought he had... he's on the rest of the season. I know. I imagine he's on more than he. I thought it's... he had like a few episode arc. I don't know. Yeah, I assume he has an arc. Um, but at this point, they've clearly established Adam as the Mister Big of the show, unless this goes in a very different direction. Actually, that is very reductive of you to compare this to Sex and the City. How dare you? It is very reductive, Jordan who has seen all of Sex and the City, back me on this. I have seen all of Sex and the City. I see some comparisons, but I see the comparisons between Adam and Hannah and uh, Carrie and Mr. Big as I do between pretty much any will-they-won't-they in television history. So I'm not sure it's fair to say that he's just the Mr. Big. I'm not saying he's just the Mr. Big, but I think he's going to be, like, the main recurring romantic interest for Hannah. Well, I mean, the... The actor is a series regular now, so he's not going away. I mean, he's going to be yeah. there from here until unknown. Here into eternity. Germany. Well, um, what else happened in this episode? Say anything else we need to discuss? before Georgia uh, we... Mamet. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I'm done with that guy. And then she fucks up again. Yeah, well, that's how it goes. It's good because I like those two together. I'm done with this guy. I'm talking to Sam. Oh, stop. <laughs> Don't be Georgia Mamet. You're much better looking. Thank you. Um, hey, I think she's very attractive. Not that Ashley's not. No, you don't. Are you I kidding? I do. Really? Guys. Really? Her? Jordan? Wow. I find her attractive, yes. Ashley went there. Ashley went to uh, Anne. I'm not trying to be rude, but out of all of the ladies on the show... You're, you're, that's, that's, that's not what I said. I said I think she's very attractive. Oh. 
do you, okay, let's take her, her body out of the equation. Face alone. Really? <laughs> if, she is, a, if she is a disembodied face, then I have other problems with her. I think it's anti-feminist to agree with, to disagree with someone about a person's attractiveness. Okay. I'm not that saying she's a bad whole, actress. That's what I don't, the conversation. What was that? I said that could be a whole different podcast for the conversation. Yeah. We should just do a girls podcast and just talk about girls. I'd be happy. And we'll play Robin over the entire thing. Well, we won't do that part. Yeah, I'm happy to do an all girls podcast sometime in the near future. All night. It's a great song. Ashley and I are dancing now. On your own? No, actually. Yeah. Which makes the song completely inappropriate. Were you surprised? I mean, I guess we can finish the talk out coming full circle. Were you surprised that girls won for the, won the Golden Globe? I was not surprised. Um, I was not unhappy. I was surprised. I had modern family. I was surprised too, but I guess maybe they want to give it to the newbie. But I thought that was more of Emmy's MO. And the Emmys didn't give it best comedy. No, I just, I feel like the Golden Globes, like, it was it was the new, like, it thing last year. And it was, you know, I think it was deserving. I think it was a very good comedy. I don't know if it was my favorite comedy of last year, but that's not the same question of whether I think it deserved a Golden Globe. Uh, I mean, since I, I when know, is the Golden Globes hip to what's hip? You yeah, know? isn't it all just like a system of bribes? It's a system of tubes full of bribes that get sure. shot through. A series of tubes. It's a series of tubes. It's like when you make a deposit at the drive-thru at the bank. You just put it in that little tube and it shoots up to the lady in the glass. But what I understand is like, you know, Hollywood foreign press nominated things like smash in the newsroom shows that are objectively bad. bad. Yeah. And they're supposed to have their finger on the pulse of what's, what's hip. Good point, Sam. What up with that? Jordan response. Um, I don't think the Golden Globes have their finger on the pulse of what's hip. But I do think the Golden Globes, um, A, has the same viewership issues that the Oscars have, uh, which is evident in the fact they brought Ricky Gervais back, despite the fact that they were sure they were not going to. And B, um, occasionally likes to, A, reward the newbie, as you said, even though I think that's, I agree that's more of an Emmy thing. And and sometimes just likes to seem like they're uh, they're hipper than they are. And I think I, I really think that Lena Dunham is kind of a Hollywood darling at the moment for all the especially for all the controversy she's generated outside of Hollywood. And I can, I completely support that. Um, I think she's immensely talented, and most of most if not all of the controversy that's surrounding girls is complete bullshit. So I'm totally fine with Hollywood surrounding her and throwing awards at her for a while to say like, hey. She's doing something really good, and instead of being smeared with all sorts of A, sexist, or B, absurd criticism, uh, which also possibly has its roots in sexism, uh, why don't we recognize the fact that she's doing something really good that the rest of the world is A, either agreeing with us, or B, shitting on for no apparent reason. So I have no problem with girls winning a lot of awards as long as it continues to be as good as it has been. Agreed. I think you summed it up pretty well, Jordan. Let's yep. close on that before it gets ugly. I'm awesome. Let's, some close, real let's talk. close on that before Ashley starts, like, I don't know, murdering people. I think There's only one person in this room with her, Jordan. So and she better not start. And it's you. Aww. Aww. Well, on that note. <laughs> on murder. <laughs> we went to murder. Say goodbye to Sam.
is the last podcast. Oh, Why sure. don't we close out the podcast? Um, actually, if you kill Sam, you then have to replace him on all future podcasts. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this is your first podcast, so I should say it was quite lovely to have you on, and we hope you come back soon because, as you've said, you, I think you bring a unique flavor to the podcast, and I think we had a good time tonight. You have a spicy personality. Zesty ranch. No. That's a good I said neither of those things, to be clear. Oh, well... Thank you for having me, Jordan. It you're was like, an honor. You're like Cool Ranch Doritos. And seriously, though, come back soon and we'll do this again. For now, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with a regular installment of the podcast next week. Uh-